last, well, two weeks ago, we started talking about where do I need to grow up? And that's a very personal question. I can't answer that for you, and you can't answer that for me. Rusty might could answer it for me, but where do I need to grow up? And so if you QR coded coming in the sanctuary, you've got the notes, and you'll notice there's one whole page of review. Because I'm going to stop being concerned about people who come and go on Sundays and not doing series. Sometimes I I go, okay, I can't teach that because that's going to take more than one Sunday and people aren't good about being there two or three Sundays in a row. I'm just not going to worry about it anymore. It's time to grow up. So you can go back, you can catch up if you weren't able to be here. But, But just very quickly, on week one... We just set the foundation. We talked about knowledge without application. It's stupid. Knowledge, if you got the knowledge and you don't apply it, that's just not wise. And we we talked about James 1. And then Rick Renner, remember we used his quote, knowledge without application becomes boring and it becomes unfulfilling every single time. Knowledge without application. This is why Christians are bored in the pew. This is why they're not excited about coming to church. Because they're coming and they're getting knowledge and they're not applying it. And so they're not seeing the results of it. Your knowledge won't bring you the results. My knowledge won't bring me the results. I've had knowledge all my life. But it wasn't until I started applying it. That's a grown-up thing to do. That's... This is what we're, we're not a church where you're going to come in here and every time you're going to get an inspirational, um, motivational message. Sometimes it's going to be a tough word. And, and sometimes it's going to be, we need to grow up in this area. Because we are, there is no lack of knowledge. You can listen to the word 24 hours a day if you want to. You have the means to do it now. And so... If we, if we apply it, it becomes exciting to us. And we start seeing the fruit of it. We went to 1 Peter 2.1. We went to Hebrews 5.11. We went to 1 Corinthians 3.1. And we read lots of scripture. We talked about what maturity meant. The definition of it. The next week we talked about spiritual or carnal. Which, which am I? Am, am I being spiritual or am I being carnal? And we, we define spiritual. You look it up, it means non-carnal. <laughs> real, real deep. Non-carnal. It means to live a life guided by the born-again spirit. Look, when you got saved, when you got born again, you, you began to have other options to your behavior. You began to have other options to your attitude. Before you didn't. There was no other option. To be, but to be carnal, to be led by your flesh, to do what you felt like doing. But now you have a power on the inside of you, not just to choose, but to do what God's directing you to do. So spiritual means to be guided by that born-again spirit, to choose to be. When I got born again, it didn't make me do the will of God. It gave me the option and the power to. I had to choose to. 
Every time my mouth wants to smart off, I have a choice. We talked about that, right? I think last week, Rusty kind of gave y'all some clues that maybe sometimes my mouth... Yeah. I'm just going to get him signs to hold up. To be spiritual meant to regenerate. What a fascinating word that was we looked at. To regrow. To be spiritual. We have the option to regrow. That's just how I am. Well, how's that worked? How is that, that's just how I am worked? How's your wife like that? How's your husband like that? How do your kids like that? How's your boss like that? We have an opportunity to be spiritual and to regrow. And we, we talked about the different uh, organisms that are, have the ability to regrow new tissue to replace lost or injured tissue. Well, I'm this way because, oh, you have an opportunity to regrow lost or damaged tissue. That's what it means to be spiritual. I'm not going to do this this way anymore because now I have a choice and I know that this choice brings life and that choice brings death. We're going to look at that again today. To be spiritual means to bring new, more vigorous life to something. It means to be reborn. Thus, when we get saved, we call it being born again. But to be carnal means everything opposite of what we just read. It means to be fleshly, unregenerate, not changed. This is where a lot of the church world stays. I stayed this way for a long time myself. I just thought knowledge was what I needed. But I didn't change. I didn't let the knowledge change me. I didn't bow my knee to the knowledge. Carnal means unregenerate, not changed. It means a life driven by the flesh. And here's what we got to know. And we talked about this last week. I won't spend all day here. But if, if you, you can either be led by the spirit or driven by the flesh. Which one do you want? You can be led by the Spirit, you can be driven by the flesh. I want to be led. And if you don't think the flesh drives you, let me go till about 1230 or 1 o'clock and we'll find out how loud your flesh can be. I will hear the rumblings on the pews. Last week we asked you to make two columns, one being spiritual, one being carnal to write, to go back through these verses that we've covered and write down the indicators that you're carnal and the indicators that you're spiritual. We didn't go over those last week. I offered mine to you. I'll just give you a few because we don't want the review to last for 30 minutes. So in my carnal column, through the scriptures, these were the indicators of being carnal. Not growing. If you're not growing, you're not applying. It, it meant to be tossed, uh, controlled by outward circumstances. You know, like the outward circumstances determine how you are. It meant easily deceived. Don't try to write these down. I'm going to go too fast. Imitate the life of unbelievers. It meant unfruitful thinking, darkened understanding, separated from kingdom living, choosing ignorance, a hardened heart, lost sensitivity. That was an amazing one last week. Indulging in impurity, driven by lust, overriding convictions. Remember the calloused? 
uh, holds on to old self, refuses strong word, envy, strife, division, slow to learn, no understanding of righteousness. They don't practice the word they've heard and they can't distinguish good from evil. That's carnal. Those are the ones I got. I'm sure y'all got other ones. Spiritual meant growing, anchored to sound doctrine, speaking the truth in love, unity, active in the body of believers, imitates God, productive thinking, sees the, sees to, seeks to be enlightened in the truth, partakers of the Zoe God kind of life, being pliable and teachable in heart, sensitive to the spirit, overrides the flesh, Seeks to hear sound teaching, puts off old self, puts on new self, determined to mature, willing to take a strong word, able to teach and share, has an understanding of righteousness, practices the word they've heard, and can distinguish good from evil. And so we can go down through and we can read these scriptures and we can go, okay, I need to grow in this area. Because it may be, Mike, that you're strong in one area and need to grow up in another area. Usually that's how it goes. And so today, since y'all are all excited about that, I want to talk about a huge part of maturing, and that is minding. Minding obedience with a right heart or a submissive heart. If we're going to grow in the Lord, if we're going to grow as Christians in our Christian walk, then we have to be willing to submit to the word of God, to the will of God. And once you understand God correctly and not in a religious mindset, when you understand how good God is, you don't mind submitting. It's like the submission in marriage. It's really hard, you know, the Bible, the scripture teaches for, for women to be submissive to their husbands. Well, pick a husband you want to be submissive to. Because submission and the, and the freedom to be submissive has everything to do with how much you trust the other person. Just, I'll tell you what, girls. Put a picture of your boyfriend up on a mirror. And look at it and say, I submit to you and see how your heart feels. Guys, can she put a picture of you up on her mirror and say, I submit to you? That went into today's notes. That's another freebie. I've been giving y'all freebies lately. Submission has to do with relationship. So once we understand God... That he's not all of these things that religion has told us. But that he is a father and his instruction and his correction is from a heart of a good father. And if you didn't have a good father, you may have to adjust your thinking. Because you see fatherhood wrong. But we're talking about a father who gave his only son. The most important, he gave himself. For you. So we got to see him right. And so if you hear this word, be obedient, be submissive, and you, you bow up on me, then we got to, in that situation, we got to go back and understand Father, okay, before we can go forward. Obviously, we don't have time to do that today. But if I'm going to grow up, I have to learn to listen and obey. It, it, it's simple. It, Ephesians 5 starts off 
with this statement. Be followers or be imitators of God as dear children. He compares this to the parenting. And one thing I've learned during this study is that to grow up, I have to become like a child. In the right way. I'm not talking about two-year-old temper tantrums, okay? I'm talking about become like a child in the right way. And to have an understanding. There's lots of scriptures that tells us that. But I want us to go down and start reading in verse 8. We're going to do quite a bit of reading in different passages today. But since we're talking about growing up, we can do it, right? We're not here to entertain today. Ephesians 5. I'm going to be reading out of the NIV, verse 8. And please go above and, and read at your convenience. He says, For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. For the fruit of the light consists of all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out, verse 10, find out what pleases the Lord. That's such a big sentence right there. Find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. Disobedience does not lead us to a good place. Never. Disobedience to God never leads us to a good place. He says, but everything exposed by the light becomes visible. For it is light that makes everything visible. This is why it is said, wake up, O sleeper, and rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Now, I was listening to Bob Yandian on this subject this week, and he, he used this portion right here, and he, he brought out something that was so good to me. Wake up, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. And he said the carnal Christian is like someone who, who has been made alive to God. But they're hanging out with the dead. They're sleeping. They're not dead. They're sleeping. Be very careful then how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise. Making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. We've seen that twice in this passage. Understand what the Lord's will is. Find out what pleases the Lord. Understand what the Lord's will is. Don't get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery, but instead be filled with the Spirit. And, and what I, there's a lot in, in this, but what I want to pull out of it today is children can't be obedient if they don't understand the will. They can't, be un, they, they can't be obedient if they don't understand the will of the parent. And once they know and understand what the will is, then they make a choice that they are going to be accountable for. Yeah. Right. You'll hear it this way in parenting classes. 
You know, there needs to be consequences. And the boundaries need to be known. The boundaries need to be clear, right? You've heard that in, in parenting books. It, the, the child needs to know, and Matt, you're, you're raising kids. Uh, this is what I want you to do. And if you don't do this, this is going to happen. You know, or vice versa. This is what I need you to do. And if you do this, this is what's going to happen. We have to understand the will of God. And then once we know the will of God, once I know the will of God, I am accountable for my actions. This is part of growing up. You know, when a six-month-old throws a toy and it hits you in the head, you don't whoop that kid. They don't understand but when they're three, how old's Bays? Oh, gotcha. I nailed you. I nailed you. And they hit you in the head, and you know that they knew what they were doing. They become accountable. God wants us to know his will. He wants us to know that the plans that he has for us are good. That they're plans that give us a hope and a future. And when he corrects me and when he directs me, he is wanting to take me to the best place, the best part of my life. Like a good parent. And I know, I know we don't like to be corrected or directed. But maturity says that person has some wisdom and I'm going to listen. Immaturity does not say that. Immaturity does what immaturity wants to do. But maturity is willing to be corrected and directed. So find out and know what the will of God is. And once you know the will of God, realize that you become accountable. Go with me to Romans chapter 8. You know, there's, there's a, I want to call it a movement in the body of Christ that really wants every message. And I understand this because when you're delivering a message, you really want to deliver a fun message. Right? I mean, you, you really want when you walk out everybody to go, man, that was good. But when everybody just kind of walks out silent and goes to their cars, that's when you've really done a good job. <laughs> Because not every parenting moment is, oh, you're the best daddy. You're the best mommy. Thank you so much for correcting me. You know, but God loves you. Lindsay, he loves you. And, and his correcting, we've got to see, the scripture says that the, the children that are not corrected are bastards. They, they don't have a real dad. They don't have a real dad. God's a real dad. And his correction is done in love. And it's fun when we get it going in the right vein. <laughs> so I don't, want this, I don't want this message to be a downer. I want it to be, hey, am I ready to grow? And you know, some of your praise reports coming back from these last two weeks have been just so beautiful to me. Because you've made choices and when it came to that choice, you, 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 you thought through, if I do this the right way, 
If I do this the way I know I should do this, I'm growing. And, and what God can grow you to and grow you through is, is the fun part of this. Because we're, we're going to change the results we've been getting when we, when we choose to grow. So I appreciate those praise reports because they make, they make me feel better. In Romans 8, now I'm glad. I am thrilled when you take it and apply it. Romans 8, verse 1. Oh my goodness. This was so hard because if you, you, he starts off with therefore. Therefore, you have to look and see what it's there for, which takes you into 7. And Paul doesn't breathe in between sentences. So, you know, you can go above and it's really interesting because there's this whole tongue tangler there that talks about, hey, there's these things I know to do, but yet I don't do them. I, what I want to do, I don't do. And what I do, I don't want to. I mean, it's just this whole thing that he goes through. And he's like, who can help us? <laughs> he says, thank God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So he's like, yes, I know there's this battle that goes on and flat, carnal and spiritual, carnal and spiritual, and my flesh wants to do this, but my spirit knows this, that to do this. He talks about that. You're not that unique. I mean, this is, this is humanity. This is mankind. But as we learned in the previous weeks, we are not mere men. We are not mere humans. That we have a spiritual side now. And that spiritual side empowers us to make that right choice. So that's where we're going from in Romans 8.1. He says, there is therefore now no condemnation. That means no adverse sentence and no verdict against you. That's a good day. Thank you, Jesus, for the blood. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. We no longer walk after the flesh. That's our goal. We don't, we're not to walk after the flesh. And that word to walk after means we don't live or occupy ourselves with the flesh. This is one way to know if you're carnal or spiritual in an area. Am I occupied with the flesh or am I occupied with the spiritual? And so he gives us that key. Those who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, and that it was weak through the flesh. He's talking about the law of Moses. It was weak through the flesh. God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemned or judged against sin in the flesh. That the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us. In other words, Jesus fulfilled that law for me. Now I accept Jesus. <laughs> I accept him as my substitute. That he, he paid the price which was due me, which was death. Because the wages of sin are death. That the righteousness of the law, verse 4, might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. And all these little things I put in parentheses on your notes. Who walk not after the flesh means as a companion. 
who do not walk after the flesh as a companion, but after the Spirit, I'm going to say, as a companion. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. Now that word mind, I'm going to kind of do, say there's two different meanings here. Their mind is on the thing of the flesh, therefore they mind the things of the flesh. What your mind is on is what you will mind. It's what you'll be obedient to. For they that are after the flesh do mind or have their mind set on the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit have their minds set on the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. What kind of life do we want? What kind of marriage do we want? What kind of children do we want? What kind of careers do we want? What kind of ministry do we want? What kind of relationships do we want? Because here we go. If, if, you, if you're carnal in these things, there's death in those things. And don't just think falling over dead. Death is a separation from the God kind of life. Okay, that's, that's really it. Death is a separation from the God kind of life. So if you want death in those things, keep doing what your flesh is telling you to do. Quit treating, I mean, just keep treating each other that way. Even when, you're, even when your inside is saying, mm-mm. And, and we talked about that overriding the spirit last week and how it builds that callous that the scripture talks about, the hardening of the heart. You know, there comes a time that we've got to realize the consequence of following our flesh. And, and right here, he tells us, he, we know up front. Today, we have knowledge. And we walk out of here, we get to see if we're going to apply it. It gets better. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity. It's in opposition to, and it is hostile against God. Oh, oh man, that puts it. That makes it real. If I'm going to go with my flesh and my carnal mind, I am going in opposition to God. How's that going to turn out? He knows the right way. He knows the best way. He knows the life way. He knows the peace way. He knows the joy way. Why do I want to oppose life and peace? What, what do you think I'm going to have if I oppose life and peace? For it is not subject. The carnal mind is not subject. It's not submitted to or responsive to the law of God. Neither indeed can be. The carnal mind cannot be submitted and responsive to the law of God. Why? Because it's in opposition to it. The carnal mind can't be if you are minding and submitted to the flesh. It, it, it's impossible. Verse 8 says, So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. Now see, these aren't popular to talk about. 
We'd much rather just talk about grace. This is grace. This is grace. This is grace saying, if you want life and peace, I'll help you. I'll give you my word. I'll tell you what to do. I'll give you the steps to take to turn this marriage around. I'll give you the steps to take to raise these children. I'll give you the steps to take to turn that situation around on your jobs. I'll give you... That's grace. But there is an obedience that has to be applied. Where'd I get to? Oh, yeah. So then they are... They that are in the flesh cannot please God. That means they can't be agreeable to God. But you are not in the flesh. Ha, ah, here we go. Here comes the flip, the positive. You are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If so be that the spirit of God dwells in you. Dwells, lives. You're walking alongside the spirit, right? Now, if any man has not the spirit of Christ, he's none of his. And if Christ be, and if Christ be in you, the body is dead, powerless because of sin. Sin doesn't have to rain. You can let it rain, but it doesn't have to rain. It doesn't have to have dominion over you. Your mouth did not have to open and say that. Your eyes did not have to roll. Should I just look down at this point? <laughs> SJ's not even here to give me any clues. If, the, if Christ be in you, the body is dead or powerless because of sin. It's powerless. You do not have to be this way. Addiction does not have to rule your mind. It does not have to rule your body. It does not have to rule your, the chemicals in your system. It does not have to rule. The spirit is life. It's Zoe life. The God kind of life. The spirit is life. Zoe life. Because of righteousness because Jesus gave you the gift of his right standing with God he gave you the gift of your sin being forgiven of your nature being changed now you get to choose if you're going to revert back to the old nature or if you're going to live in the new nature we're growing up we're growing up. Part of, our, part of our definition of maturity was us being able to make the right judgment at the right time. It was part of the definition we read last week. We're growing up. We have a choice. I like choices. I don't like it when I don't have a choice. And you know, we get mad at people out in the world who aren't born again, acting the way they act, believing what they believe. What's their choice? They have one choice, and that's to change natures by accepting that righteousness that brings Zoe life. Verse 11 says, But if the spirit of him that raised up Christ from the dead dwells in you, 
If that spirit that raised up Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead will also quicken, vitalize, make alive even your mortal fleshly bodies by his spirit that dwells in you. The spirit is all key here. It's it's the key here. Therefore, brethren, because this spirit dwells in you, that makes, quickens your mortal body, changes, makes alive. Therefore, brethren, we are not debtors, not to the flesh. We don't owe the flesh our attention. We don't owe the flesh anything. We are not debtors to the flesh. We're not debtors to the flesh to live after the flesh. For if you live after the flesh, you die. Here we go. This is is the tree in the garden. All over again. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Here we go. Here's the tree in the garden all over again. If If we keep living after the flesh, we'll die. But if you through the Spirit do mortify means kill. It's a pretty violent term. But if you through this through the spirit, not through your flesh, but through the spirit's help, do mortify and kill the deeds of the body, you will live. Zoe, God kind of life. Life, peace. For as many as are led by the spirit of God, They are the sons of God. For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Daddy. That means daddy. It's a very personal, enduring term. Daddy, Father. And he helps us. And you can look it up. That's literally what he's saying here. We can cry out to him, Dad. Dad, I'm dealing with my flesh over here. <laughs> Help. And he doesn't condemn me. He comes in and he empowers me. He directs me. He corrects me. And, and that's how I grow up. How many times my dad had to sit down and have talks with me? I think mom just said, Tom, you handle her. Dad and I were a lot alike and personality and she and David were a lot alike in personality so I think she just kind of said you got this one I don't blame you mom walking in the flesh will all you'll always see your weaknesses walking in your flesh you will always see your weaknesses but walking in the spirit you'll always see his strength. There's a big difference in your strength and his strength. When we choose to walk in the Spirit, we're we're crossing power lines. And we're moving into his power. See, we try to beat things in our flesh. I'm not going to do that again. I'm not going to do that again. I'm not going to say that again. I'm not going to act that way again. But the flesh is just weak. But the Spirit is his And therefore, it has his power 
there is hope for change in us. There is hope for maturity in us. And this is such a huge part of growing up. Being submitted to God's will and purpose. And realizing that your flesh will never like correction or direction. But we have learned we can override our flesh. Our spirit is stronger. Amen. I put in your notes. And I'm just going to read through them quickly. I put in your notes. I, I don't know why. I felt like this was for somebody. Some passages about... When you get to a place in your flesh where you won't receive correction. Where you don't want to hear what people of wisdom have to say. And and the scripture doesn't fluff. (laughs) It shoots straight. And so I'm just going to... This is what it means when you're mature enough to receive instruction. You are considered wise. When you are so immature that you think you know it all and that the people who are living around you and love you are instructing you and you won't listen, what the scripture says about that? Can, you ha- can we? We're here to learn, right? Proverbs 15, 31 says, He who listens to a life-giving rebuke will be at home among the wise. But he who ignores discipline despises himself. But whoever heeds correction gains understanding. And the fear of the Lord teaches a man wisdom. And humility comes before honor. Oh, I want respect. You you disrespected me. Oh, well, humility comes before honor. Proverbs 10, 17, he who heeds discipline shows the way to life. But whoever ignores correction leads others astray. See, these decisions are not just about you. They're about the people around you. They're about the people who are, who are growing up around you, even the adults that are around us. He says, if you heed discipline, you're showing the way to life. But if you ignore correction, you're leading others astray. Either way, you're taking people somewhere with you. Proverbs 12.1, whoever loves discipline loves knowledge. But he who hates correction is stupid. I didn't write it. He apparently wanted us to know this. He wanted to make it real plain. Susan, if you hate correction, that's stupid. It's stupid. And yet we get so mindful of our flesh that we want to refuse correction because we don't want to change. We want to do this. Well, just know it's stupid. Just say it to yourself when you're, when you're doing that little battle of the flesh and spirituality. And go, you know what? That's going to be stupid. This is going to be wise. And then make your decision accordingly. It's a matter of, of what kind of results you want. Proverbs 13, 18. He who ignores discipline comes to poverty and shame. Is that the life we want? Poverty and shame. Poverty and shame. Poverty and shame. Poverty and shame. If you want that, just ignore discipline. Because you are headed to downtown poverty and shame. That's right where it's going. 
but whoever heeds correction is honored. Want an honorable life? You want to lay your head down at the end of the day at rest and in peace? Proverbs 15, 12. And y'all, I didn't write them all down. There's a bunch in Proverbs. A mocker resents correction, and he will not consult the wise. You know, if you're confused on what to do, consult the wise. Find a person who's living a life of peace and honor, who's living a life that you, you go, that's, that's the kind of family I want. I want to be that kind of husband. I want to be that kind of wife. I want to raise those kinds of children. Consult the wise. Don't flock to people who have the same problems you do. This is our tendency. You know why? Because we don't want to change. So we go to other people who haven't changed and we complain about all in our lives that hasn't changed. But to consult the wise is very mature. You know, you want to you learn how to, to make money, to save money, to invest money? Consult the wise. Find somebody that's doing it right and getting the right results. So, so in closing today, we're going to sum this up with, with two questions for us to think about. First of all, do I know the will of the Lord? And you know, where there's areas, you're, if you're born again, if, you, if you're saved, if you've asked Jesus to be the capital L Lord of your life, there's a submission to that. It's not just saying, Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for me. I believe that God raised you from the dead. And I believe you did it for me. That's not salvation, Salvation is calling upon the name of the Lord, invoking him as your Lord, which means you know the way, I'm going to trust that you do, so I'm going to respond to your correction and direction, right? So when I say, you know, do you know what, or understand the will of the Lord, when your insides are not at rest, in a situation in your life, in a lifestyle area of your life, or in a way you're fixing to handle something, uh, or a decision you're about to make, and your insides are not at rest. You know what I mean? That tossy-turny thing that happens at night. And, and you just can't, hmm, you're just struggling with this decision. If you go back and read Romans 7 down towards the end of the chapter, you'll see where Paul is describing this do and don't do thing that's this battle that's going on when you get to that place and you have that unrest then look and see what the will of the Lord is most of it can be found very plainly in scripture most of it can be plain I mean it's very plain usually in scripture can I do this can I live this way can I you know, if, first of all, if you're having to ask the question, it's probably a pretty good clue. If the people who love you the most, I like to say this, the people who have loved you the most and the longest, ask them. Yo mama, 
your daddy, your grandma, the people who have walked through life with you, the thick and the thin, not the new relationship that you think know you better than anybody in the world for the last six months. Who all grew up in this church? I'm talking about from children's church forward. Raise your hands. Raise them high. All right. Y'all got people around here who have loved you through life. Ask them. Ask them. If, if, If you can't find it in the scripture, ask them. The people who have loved you the most and the longest. They're they're very rarely going to tell you wrong. I can't say never, but very rarely. And, and, you know, pray. Ask God. Most of the time, we know. We just don't want to ask. Poverty and shame, poverty and shame, poverty and shame, life and peace, life and peace. And once once you know the will of the Lord then you make your flesh line up with the will of the Lord. That's maturity. When you say, nope, with everything in me, my flesh is wanting to do this, but no. No. That's maturity. Kids don't do that. They see a bug crawling across the floor and pick it up and eat it. I mean, you know, rocks, dirt. My kids grew up in arenas. You know what's in arenas? Roping arenas. I mean, I, I heard, well, I could tell stories I won't. <laughs> Maturity gives us discretion. It gives us, it gives us discretion. And God's word gives us discretion. But the mature choose it. They choose it. We choose it. I love this church. I love that you take correction. I love that I don't feel like I have to get up here and with pom-poms. But I can say, hey, let's, let's not just be good little Christians sitting on a pew. Let's grow. Let's, let's sit there differently next week than we sat there this week. Let's walk out of here differently than we walked out of here. Let's let the people around us see us maturing and becoming more and more like the one that we call Lord. Because we're listening, we're seeking, we're obeying. Will you all do that with me? All right, stand with me. If you have not accepted Jesus as the Lord of your life, I hope that you see... The truth of this message, it's not just about obeying a bunch of rules. It's about a lifestyle. It's, a, it's about a relationship. It's about a way of living. I don't know. I'm just going to call it a rest. It's just a rest. And it's, it's the best life you could ever possibly choose. And so if you haven't done that, we would, we would love to get you started And then we would love to walk alongside you as much as you'll let us walk alongside you. 
And because we are, we, when the scripture we, we read the first week made it very clear to us that there are babes in Christ. It's not wrong to be a baby. It's not wrong to be new to the things of God. It's just wrong to be 20 years in your Christianity and still be a baby. The excitement is in the learning to sit, the learning to walk, the learning to drive, the getting married, starting a family. The, the exciting is in the maturity this is the fun part. And if you've recently been born again and, and you know, you're getting bored with it, you just, you haven't looked into growing. And we're growing. Some of us have been in here a long time. Some of us have been right here on these pews since 1985, this building. That's a long time. I, I wish that I could say I had grown as much in those first five or six years as I have in the last five or six years. But I'm just going to be excited that I've grown in the last five or six years. And I'm going to spur you on to do the same. Amen. Father, we just thank you that Jesus came, that he gave us his righteousness, that his blood took care of that old nature and that we have choices. And that we do not have to remain as we are. But, Father, that you're leading us into a place of maturity. And, Father, if there's anyone here who hasn't made that first step, who hasn't said, I bow my knee and I say, you, Jesus, are Lord. Father, that they understand the, the action itself is relatively simple. It's an accepting and saying. You said whoever would call upon the name of the Lord would be saved. And so, Father, if they, they get in their cars or they get home or they come up here after service and they say, I want Jesus to be my Lord, that they fully understand that this kind of submission is not, it's not an ugly word, but that you are truly good. You are truly good. And that they can trust bowing their will to you. That you will never take them anywhere that is not good. And so, Father, those of us who just need to grow, we ask that we never get complacent in any one stage of our Christian walk. And we'll notice if we're getting bored and lacking in our excitement that it's time to push through to a new level and that you'll give us the insight, the instruction, the correction, the direction, and we'll be obedient to it. And find the joy of our salvation is still there. And we thank you and we give you praise for it in Jesus' name. A church said...